Hello, I'm Patrick Chavez, and you're listening to LA Theater Bites. And I am here with Matthew Robinson, another one of the reviewers from the website. And we're going to talk about Hollywood Fringe 2019. Like, we're excited to, to listen that there's so many shows this year, like usual. And uh, we're not going to be able to cover all these, but we're going to look. We're going to look through the schedules of, the, of different shows in here. We're going to um, mention a few synopses, just on random, and uh, we're going to we're we're going we're gonna to talk about these synopses in these shows and <laughs> um, see see if we're interested in any of these shows. Um, uh, so yeah, so let's begin. Uh, today it's uh, it, was it just your birthday, Matt? Oh, Wednesday, Wednesday, twenty uh, ninth oh. of May. That was my birthday. It was so congratulations, yeah. happy birthday. Thank you. Birthday. Now in the thirty yeah, club. You don't look. You don't look a year under thirty. Yay! You don't look, you don't wow! Look a year under thirty. Thank you. That's perfect. <laughs> Is that? Oh, did I did I nail it? Did yeah, nail you nailed it? it. You nailed it. I, I'm thirty. Woo. So yeah. I, I look my age. You look your age. Yeah, that's 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 very that's that's a good. That's a good thing to do. That's a good thing to look. People tell me that when I shave, I don't look my age, but when I but when I have this whole beard thing going on, that I that uh, that I look my age. So I look I'm 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 I look around like the thirties when I have the beard. I shave it. I look like a baby. I look like <laughs> maybe someone told me told me someone told asked me once when I shaved my stuff. They said um, my my when I shaved my face. They said. Oh, uh, you graduating from high school? And oh my gosh! I, I, I was, uh, and I didn't know if she was being nice or serious. I want, I want to, I want to take it that she is, she was just being nice because I don't, I, I, I'm sure I definitely look younger when I shave, but I don't know if I look that young. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even know. I mean, like this stubble right here is like, this is like, uh, two, three days of not shaving. Yeah. So it's like it it just comes it catches up on you fast and then wow. there you go. Your hair does grow, yeah. Yeah. I man, I don't know. I I don't shave enough to know if it grows that fast. But that's a, that. What you're saying sounds like it sounds pretty fast, man. I I think I think you probably have a if, if your hair grows that fast, you'd probably have a full beard in like a month. Probably, yeah. If I like really grew it out, I'd probably have a beard. I had a beard for a long time. Oh yeah. And yeah. And then I shaved it. It was like a mustache, goatee beard. And then I shaved it. I was like, uh, I don't, I want to look fresh face, you know, as fresh face as possible. It's I'm all sh- good. It's all good until, until you want to have ice cream. And that's, those, those are, those are some weird situations for me. You, 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 then, now you have this, now you have this big, thick, foamy white thing all over your beard. And, oh man. I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel like dirty. I feel dirty eating ice cream with a beer. So that's that's like the only thing I don't like about it. <laughs> only thing, only thing wrong with the beer, ice cream. Yeah, only thing. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of swear off ice cream pretty much because I. Well, I, oh, that's sad. I, I yeah, it's a little sad. It's a little sad, but it's healthier. It's healthier, I guess. Fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so I was looking through my different schedules, and one of the shows that I um. As I've told everyone with this thing, I I, I rarely even uh, actually this is gonna be a new for me because I usually just pick shows by their name and make and I pick shows by if I can actually make it um, during the time period because I have to watch so many shows and I gotta make sure I can block them off at the right time so I can actually go to a show and then make another show and stuff like that. Right. Um. It actually is. It actually takes me quite a while to make these schedules because, um. 
while the website is actually pretty well done, I wish that there was an option on this website for like um, the times of when things go on. Because often I'm just like, oh, I like this show. I like this show. I like this show. And then I'm like, okay, it's at eight. And then, and then the other shows at, can I, and then I'm not even sure if I can make that. And it would be so much easier if everything was like, like uh, organized by uh, the times that they're mm. on. But it, the website's not organized that way. So it's just like, there's been like so many times I'm trying to organize my day and I'm like, oh, oh, wow. I, that's impossible unless I can teleport from like, um, what was it? The Stephanie Ferrari studio to all the way to the complex theater in like five minutes. There's no way I'm going to be able to see both of these shows. Right. That's, that, that's one of the hardest things about Friends. It's like really block out your schedule. And if you're seeing a show at say like Studio Sage or Stephanie Fury or like um, Demley Arts, which is like really difficult to go to sometimes, you've got to basically say, okay, I'm going to go to this, see this show, which means I pretty much have to give myself at least 30 minutes before I see a show that's on like the main strip, you know, it's oh, just, it, it gets to be kind of tedious. It's worth it, but I do try to make it then. I guess the one advantage of those theaters, if they have shows that are stacked that I want to see back to back or very close together, then they can be like, okay, this afternoon is going to be studio stage and family arts. Like I've done that before. Like, okay, I'm going to go see the show studio stage at like four and then there's a show at Demi Arts at like 6.30 and then, or 5.30. And then I'm going to be like, oh, okay, that show gets out at 6.30. And then there's a show at Studio Stage at 7. And that's what I'm going to go to. And I do that, you know. That's the best way to, that's the best way to do it because you're right. Um, as far as parking situations go, Demi Arts might be one of the most uh, difficult places to find parking yeah. in the whole fringe. It's, it's uh Sometimes I guess it might even just be a better idea just to find, I guess, one of those, maybe one of those Uber scooters or, or, or Uber over there, or, or if, you, if you have the time, walk over there. But usually when you're watching a lot of shows, you don't have the time to make that, that walk all the way over there. Right. I mean, yeah. usually preview week, which is it's looking, saving enough to be the same way. Usually preview week, that first Saturday, preview week and Sunday, I see at least 12 shows in one weekend. And so I have to plan it around. Like I have shows that are like very close together, but they're in the Broadwater. So it's like, oh, I'm seeing something on the Broadwater second stage. Then I see something on the Broadwater main stage, like right back to back. Um, like I have to do that. There's the only way I can do it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. see all these shows. I'm already booked to see like 20 shows this fringe. Nice. Oh, nice. Nice. Last year I sold 38. Um, so that's nice. That's where uh, right now I'm still planning on adding more, but at this rate, it looks like. At least I'm booked for about 20. I want to do more, well, and but I'm still, I'm still having, I still have to figure out as far as um, the time schedule, um, which shows can fit into my schedule. Like I, right. like I said, there's been plenty of times where I've been like, um, I've signed up for a show and then I was like, oh, oh man, the show's, uh, I, I can't make it to the show. It's impossible. I'll be getting out of this show. And then I only have like five minutes to get to the next show. That's not just that's just not going to happen. Right. Why I have to cancel the show because I can't make it. Mm. No, I've I had to, I've had to cancel show once in my entire time doing the Friends, and it yeah. was I never got to see the show, and I missed mm. the show one time that I did not to see, get to see until their extensions, yeah. um, because I was at a show at the Demley Arts Center, and it ran five minutes long. And that meant I had, it took me longer to get to my car, which was parts on Western and Melrose. Mm -hmm. And by the time I get to the Broadwater, 
And by the time I got to the Broadwater, it had been started for about four minutes and they wouldn't let me in. And I had to wait um, almost a month to see the show again. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it definitely does happen. It definitely is frustrating when it happens. I try to plan my days out that everything is in relative walking distance. So that way I have an actual shot at seeing these plays. And sometimes you just have to get lucky. Sometimes you buy a ticket to a show and you're just like, I hope this show ends two minutes early, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, yeah, uh, like, yeah, every once in a while, my, my thoughts are like, hmm, maybe I can pull this off. Maybe the show will run, will, will run faster than normal. Um, or, or maybe, or maybe, maybe I could, I can just skip out just a few minutes early. But then, but then I'm like, ah, I can't do that. Like, I can't, you, you gotta, like, I just, like, I've, 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 I've had these, I've had these thoughts every once in a while because as much as I like to be on time for shows, I'm commuting all the, all the time for Orange County. I was like, so every once in a while, I will be slightly late sometimes. And sometimes it'll be like, man, I'm only slightly late. I, I can still review this show. And then I'm like, nah, Patrick, you can't, re- you can't, you can't still review this show. You, you, you missed the first like 10, 15 minutes of the show. Like, like I, you, that's, that's not right. You got. You don't really. You haven't. You haven't really seen the show. You missed the whole first ten minutes, and then you're gonna judge something over something you've only seen. Even if I've only. Even if I've seen maybe even eighty five percent of it, I still can't say I've seen the whole thing. And then I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell people my opinion on the eighty five percent, like I've seen the whole thing. So it's like sometimes you're just like, yeah, I'd like to. Nope. Nope. Yep. No. Just gotta. Just gotta head back home. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like it's it's very hard when you're traveling someplace, and that's the hard thing about LA theater. Like even LA theater rows, like maybe you could say eight, nine venues in the theater row area. What I would consider theater row is like about nine venues. Yeah. Other than that, there's really no centralized theater place in LA. It's like. You know, it's very, it's not uncommon for like, oh, I'm going to go down to like, you know, the Electric Lodge in Venice one night. And then the very I next got, night. I got back from there for the first time. Oh, where'd you, which place were you seeing? Uh, Ready, Steady, Yeti. Go. Ready, Steady, Yeti, go. That's what it is. That's what it's called. <laughs> I haven't heard of that. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it's uh, from the Rogue Machine. Uh, Rogue Machine. It's a, oh. it's, a, it's a new, it's a world premiere. It's a new show. Oh, yeah. Rogue Machine always puts on good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, the funny thing, we're actually talking about it right now, and I'm actually uh, writing and thinking of the review actually right now. Like, I'm planning on doing the review literally after this. So it's like, hmm, at the same well, while I want to talk about it because I've been thinking about it for a long time, I don't want to talk about it here because uh, I'm going to be, be talking about it in my review. But I, 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 did, I do think it's an interesting uh, theater out there, right next to Abbott Kinney and all of that stuff. It's a it was an interesting little venue they had there and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. Oh, man. Okay. Have you been out there? To, to Electric Lodge? Yeah, you've been to that theater? Yeah. I, you know, I was there when I've seen a couple of shows there. Uh, one show I really wanted to see, I just never got a chance to see that was there, was Oppenheimer. But I've been, I've seen about two shows there, I want to say. Are they all by Rogue Machine Theater Company? Do they own that? Area. Um, you know, it's hard to remember because Road Machine at one point had that kind of a spot in that area, yeah. and then they moved over to uh, Hollywood near Western, mm-hmm. and that was right off Western, and that's actually where I saw a couple really good shows, including Still Life, which is still one of the best shows I've seen, 
Um, you said, didn't you didn't you put that as one of your favorite shows of last year on the list or something? Yeah, one time. Yeah, but still, it was really good. I saw a couple of Hollywood Fringe shows there, um, including some ones that Pepperdine students did. Um, it's a really cool venue. And then now I guess they've moved back to Venice. Um, I have not seen any shows from Rogue Machine since they've moved back to the Electric Lodge, but I have been to the Electric Lodge for other shows. But I don't think it was Electric yeah. Rogue Machine who were doing the shows. Oh, okay. It's a nice, it's a nice, cool little spot. It's, it is. I, I, I don't find myself in Venice very often. Yeah, I hate going to Venice. I, I, it's like in my top. No offense to anyone who loves Venice or likes going to Venice. It's like in the top three. It's in the top three places I hate going. I hate Venice. Just parking <laughs> is impossible. It's always yeah. crowded. It's just a bunch yeah. of like surfer bums who are like hanging out, and it's just not my vibe. Yeah, I get it. I get why some people love it. I'm yeah. not hating on Venice. I'm not hating on any of the people there. You know, I don't think it's like gross or anything. I just don't like it. It's not for me. It's, it's when I'm there, I don't feel like I'm in a place I belong necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. That's that's cool. All right, let's 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 go over some stuff. So I oh, yeah. was um, one of the shows I was looking into uh, that that I I'm signed up to see. It's called And Now It's All This. I haven't and heard of that. Is, one. Uh, and this play is going. Uh, let's see, where is this play uh, playing at? It's uh, it's at the complex. It's gonna be at the complex. Okay. Uh, and and uh, this one's interesting. It's got a like a Beatles cover on it, uh, and it says, and now uh, and it's let's see, and it's uh, can you can you can you see can you see this? So basically, the synopsis it says, and now it's all this follows John Lennon during the height of Beatlemania in 1966, <laughs> when he was made his infamous quote that the Beatles were bigger than Jesus. Oh, I have heard from, of this play. From the moment John says these words, we see him and the Beatles manager, Brian Epstein, grappling with the fallout with the American press, with the burning of Beatles records and numerous death threats to every member of the group. Should John be forced to apologize for mere words that he believes are a fact? And if he doesn't, what then? In this present day where celebrities apologize almost daily for their thoughts on social media, and now it's all this captures a moment in history when a Beatles, Beatles turned from a lovable mop top to the legendary peaceniks and activists that the world would grow to love and respect. Um, Very so yeah, so this is uh, interest, this is uh, uh, another um, kind of Beatles theme story com- uh, coming out of the Hollywood Fringe. That I know there's a movie. Um, I think it's called Yesterday that has a Beatles theme as well, and it's be, it's coming out pretty soon too. Uh, what do you think of this? What do you think? What do you think about the the synopsis, the story? Well, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a sucker I'm a sucker for um, any historical fiction, so uh, <laughs> I'm not. Um, I, it sounds interesting. I I I will be honest. This is oh my gosh, this is like this is like one of the worst things you can admit to people. I'm not like I love I like the Beatles a lot. I have a couple of their albums. I'm not like yeah. so deep into Beatles like that. Like oh, the Beatles are in this. I I have to go see this. Like it's not, yeah. you know, it's not that serious for me. But I think it's I think it's good. It sounds interesting. It's definitely one of those plays that like for me it screams for me personally. And this is someone who has written the plays in the Fringe and produced the show that's like right now currently in the Fringe. This sounds like a show that's like. I'll probably see if they come to see my show, 
or if I run into them and I have like a really big conversation with them and I'm like, okay, I'll go see your show. You know, otherwise it's kind of like, it's not, it's not off the beaten path. It's just kind of like, nah, this is a maybe show. This is like, if it falls together in a nice schedule, but it sounds very interesting. Yeah. It's it, maybe for you, since you're not a bit, maybe I think, well, if you're automatically a Beatles fan, I think maybe something like this will definitely appeal to you. But even if you're not a Beatles fan, I guess the concept, uh, the concept of, uh, uh, how 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 something can be so politically tinged when you say something that's so politically tinged can create such a controversy and you know that that, that could be I guess that could be an interesting topic we'll see how and see how they do it and see yeah. how, how the director handles it that could be interest that could be interesting even if you're not a fan right yeah agree is that something it's just, probably so much that's relevant to today and also just makes you really think about American culture and like outrage culture. Yeah. And like, what does that mean? And you know, how's it evolved in to modern times? Yeah, uh, I mean, let's see. So, so I guess, and I guess it's I, I don't know much about this, but I guess it sounds like this is based off a true story. Saying it's bigger than I, I, I mean, like I guess if it was true, I guess like what did John do? Did he like research how many people buy Beatles albums and how many people buy the Bible? I, I mean, and then he. Like, <laughs> See, people are buying more of our records. Does it, does it buy the Bible? Like, I, I mean, like, I know you get Bibles, and I know there's, like, special Bibles with commentary that people buy, but, like, I don't remember buying any Bible I own. I just think I have them. They just exist. <laughs> just, you know, they just populate. <laughs> they just, the Bibles, Bibles aren't bought. They just, they just pop up in your house. Some, right. Like, oh, here's, here's the Bible. You know, it's. Well, I'm joking. I'm laughing about this. I'm joking about this. But man, I do have Bibles in my house, and I don't know if I did buy them. And I don't. And so yeah, they just. I don't. I probably maybe I bought it. and I just don't remember. But yeah, Bibles just pop up in and pop up in your house no matter no matter what. Right. Oh, pop up in your, Bibles. Pop up in your hotel rooms too. That's true. And you're just like, oh, Bibles. Funny enough, Hooters Hotel, Hooters Hotel in Las Vegas. I just stayed there once for a. We surprised our friend for a 21st birthday. And uh, we took him to Hooters Hotel yeah. because he was 21 and we were like 21, 22. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, that's where we should stay for a Vegas trip. And uh, it's actually not a bad hotel, but it's, it's more better than certain yeah, it's better than, it's better than a lot of hotels. Um, yeah. But I, there was no, there were no Bibles in that hotel, but I guess you don't really want, you don't want people who are gambling and like trying to have debauchery to all of a sudden have like a moment of like, Oh, I, I shouldn't see this. <laughs> I shouldn't do this. <laughs> Actually, man, that makes so much sense. I would have thought it was pretty ironic to have a Bible in a Ho- in a Hooters thing, but I think they they must have really thought it through. They're like, if if they're coming to our place, right, called Hooters, I, I don't think they're looking for the Bible at the moment. Right, I, I don't think so. <laughs> it's like, yeah, why would they do it? You know, hey, look, if you really want to read the Bible at the hotel. It's on your. You can get it on your phone now. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. You can. You, you, there's an app for that for sure. <laughs> like, like, like. I can't believe I just said that. Yeah, like, yeah. I guess there's an app for most things these days. That's true. <laughs> All right. So, uh, uh, let's see. Let's go. Let's go through. Uh, and let's look through this this list to see other show. Do you have any shows? Um, yeah. That you can think of that you'd like to mention, like a, a synopsis or something that sounds interesting. Yeah, this is one show that's really caught my interest. I I'm, I'm gonna go see it soon. It's called yeah. Son of a Bitch. It's uh yeah right. Yeah yeah. <laughs> it's playing at the Broadwater. Uh, here's the synopsis. In 1980, Lee Atwater was a scrappy Southern political strategist. 
by 1990, he changed American politics forever. A year later, he was dead. His spectacular career over in a flash, and his legacy just another story to spin. Son of a Bitch chronicles Atwater's journey from ambitious campaign manager to the bad boy of the Republican Party. Uh, and this comes from the uh, Hollywood. This has two things I'm very interested in. Uh, it comes from an award-winning writer of Keeping Up the Pros. Pros of Rob's, I'm, I'm getting that wrong. Um, Lucy uh, Gillespie, who's the writer and producer, really cool person, really cool uh, uh, um, writer. Also in this play is Luke Forbes. Now, Luke Forbes was the star, or one of the stars, one of the leads of what still remains the highest rating I've given to any play on LA Theater Bites, Heart of Robin Hood. Um, oh, yeah. And he's playing, yeah, exactly. And he's playing George W. Bush. He did, he did that show at the Wallace. Well, he's playing George W. Bush in this. Uh, Billy Ray Bruton is directing. So it's a, I'm very interested to see how they play this and how they do this. And I, like I said, I'm a sucker for uh, historical fiction yeah. and delving into politics. politics. Yeah, politics too. This is just this is something that checks off a lot of boxes for me that I'm yeah. very interested in. So I'm going to be seeing that. Uh, I actually think during their preview, I'm probably going to see. I think um, I mean at the preview, but I'm going to be definitely seeing it at some point, and uh, looking forward to see, seeing how they handle that. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. P- political plays can be pretty interesting. Um, what 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 exact uh, is it? Just specifically that it's po- politics. Or does this this figure um, interest you in some way um, to to know more about? When I when I met Lucy, she told me about this guy, and I didn't know much about Leo Atwater. I've heard a little bit about him, and like how yeah. just how scandalous and controversial he was. But I don't know much about him, which is why it's interesting. I, I know that yeah. Lee Atwater was a very influential person, but I don't know much about him. And so watching this play will give me, I feel like, a key on what's going on and what happened at that point. Um, and then kind of like, oh, okay, let me let me go from there. Let me see uh, how it's done, you know, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I know the name as well, but I, I actually know very little about Bob. Uh, I have heard that he had some pretty uh, wild tactics uh, with, uh, back in the day um, for the Republican Party, but uh, I don't know. I don't really know much much about him. Actually, I'm. Now I'm gonna look into him now because now I'm curious about it. I, know <laughs> I know the funny things. I know I know the name. I know the name. I just I just not I'm not 100 thing. So maybe I should see the play too. <laughs> right. Maybe I need like so, so I can know a little bit more about that kind of stuff. All right. <laughs> Here uh, there's uh, the book. I'm also um, set up to see a, a play called The Book of Briarshire. Oh yes. This is, this is gonna be at the Broadwater. And uh, it's an epic medieval fantasy comedy where kick-ass women rule. After a historic run at the Sacred Fools Serial Killers Tournament, the book of Bridgeshire finished in semifinals with four awards, but never getting to finish their story. Come see the thrilling conclusion. Uh, with an almost entirely female ensemble, Bridgeshire subverts the fantasy journal packed with both action and laughs. Our heroine... Um, I guess that's Yelva, played by Moore, wants nothing more than to become a knight and live up to her father's legacy. So she quests to slay the dragon. 
along with her clueless sister Skittles, <laughs> who <laughs> frequently break into unsolicited, undesired freestyle raps. Along the way, they encounter magic, soldiers, elves, and even a cobbler. <laughs> how, how, does, how does that sound to you? Does it sound interesting? Does yeah, sound I've heard about this play. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I, I plan to see it. Um, it just seems so interesting. And it just is kind of, again, checks a lot of boxes. Very intrigued by it. Uh, met the actress who is playing uh, Kelly Moore. It's, it's very, uh, very, she just seemed very focused and determined and just like a very lovely person. And I'm like, yeah, this sounds like a really cool show. I, I have to agree with you, man. Some box boxes for at least uh, like I try to come into even even like I'm I'm gonna admit this. There's definitely boxes that I also I also have boxes, and there's definitely certain things that like really check the boxes off. But that being said, even with those boxes being checked, you're still like, oh yeah, but is it even though these boxes are checks, is it still good? And you gotta make you gotta still have that kind of Sell the mindset because it's so easy to have your your box check to be like, all right, yeah, <laughs> you know it's very easy to do that, but you just you can't you can't let the thing. But yeah, a show like this definitely is in my wheelhouse of like, so you got fantasy and then fantasy with comedy, so you're not taking yourself too seriously, and now people are messing around. This is like uh, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and all that kind of stuff. I love that. Stuff. <laughs> right, that exactly. Show, it's know, that kind of magical like sweet spot. Yeah, as much as I like like some deeper deeper stuff and stuff that like uh, stuff that's like after you watch leave that movie like a, like an old boy or something like that, you're just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, did they really? Wow, you know, as much as I like that stuff, um, some of the stuff that really like stays with you sometimes is just that silly stuff, right? Uh, that's just done really well. Like I said, Robin Hood Men Tights, still love that movie. Oh, it's still great. Love, love it. It's uh, am I, am I learning anything from this movie? I I, I guess maybe something. I don't. I, I'm not quite sure. I but do you need to? Do you honestly no, need to? Probably not. I don't think you need to learn something from everything you watch all the time. I agree. <laughs> not all the time. Um. Uh, so yeah, this this kind of like this kind of seems like that. And then it's it's great that it's going to be a a woman character in there and stuff like that. So you got you got a Joan of Arc kind of thing going on. You really so do. That's kind of, that's cool. That's real cool. And then, oh, and then, of course, you got to add the raps because rapping is so hot right now. Who, what? It's like, wow. It's like, it, it like, I guess we needed what, um, we needed Hamilton to happen for, for the theater world to be like, oh, rap. Right, it's rap. Real. Right. It's yeah, a, it's a, well, the thing about rap is if you can't sing, you can rap. And yeah. so a lot of people are, are jumped on the rap train because, you know, it's like, oh, I can like fast talk, and as long as I can hold a beat and get a nice little decent flow, I don't really need to sing. I just need to like get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, yeah, you don't even actually. If you're just if you're like very charismatic, you don't even have to really. Sometimes with rapping, you don't even have to rhyme per se. You just have to be confident enough um, to, to to make it sound like you know what you're saying right. at the time. But, but, so some 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 sometimes you're like like old school like old school hip hop like eighties hip hop that's why it sounds so different than how hip hop sounds today because back in the eighties when it first came out they were all like oh well you actually have to rhyme that's part of it so everything sounds like I went and had a cat and went to a baseball bat and slapped you know it's it's all it sounds like that but now it's like 
you know, more rap and hip hop is, 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 is less, less, less about necessarily having to rhyme and just being like, just tell us, I don't know, um, how you, how you felt after you, you overdosed on something, you know, and, and just say it with enough confidence and say it with confidence and, uh, well, and, and have a really good beat. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. You need like a really good beat to have a successful hip hop song these days. Back in the day, they didn't. Have, you had to have a good flow, and if your beat was just like okay, people were like, "That's all right. It's not really about the beat. We want to know what you're saying." Right. Okay. And now it's, it's it is a little bit different. People like the beat. People listen to just the beat. You want the beat? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that. I don't know if there's anything wrong with that. That's just. Uh, that's just how it is, I guess. Um. How like okay? So that was a tangent into like hip hop. I don't know why. Why you did that? What um, any other shows? Any other shows that sound kind of interesting to you coming up this year? Like, oh yeah, I mean, there's so many. I mean, obviously, let, let me just say this for people who are listening to this: there are so many shows. Don't be offended if I don't mention your shows. There's so many shows I plan to go see. I want to go see. Um, so you know, this is like I'm pretty much drawing names out of a hat from my fa- say favorites. So don't, so don't like you know take offense. Uh, but one I want to look at is uh, Batter Up. Batter Up. So it's a, okay. a one-person variety show. Batter up my brain on baseball. Uh, mm. Here's the synopsis. It's playing at Studio Stage. Brett Moore is totally enamored with baseball and has been for 25 years. In that time, he's memorized more about baseball than anyone with access to the internet could possibly need to know. Come watch him perform his amazing feats of baseball memory that are unnecessary, stunning, and highly entertaining. And wax poetic about his favorite obsession in a unique solo show that connects patrons to the performer through the love of our national pastime. So obviously last year I did a play, I wrote and directed a play called Blackball that was about Negro League Baseball. So I, uh, I ran into Brett and he was very interested in me and we started talking. And he has a very unique show for the French because it's almost like Stump the Schwab mixed with a solo performance. You remember that show Stump the Schwab? No, I don't. I don't remember Stump the Schwab. No. He was like a, he's, that was a show on ESPN. He was a big sports like nerd. And the okay. p- whole game was trying to see if you could know more about a particular subject in sports than the uh, Swab do, which oh. rarely ever happened. He just right. had this like incredible memory of sports. And oh. Brett is very yeah. similar. He he has just an incredible memory with baseball. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it's like that kind of sense where like America's past time he almost becomes like religion. And uh, I'm very I'm just very intrigued by it. It's a it's a different it's it's unique. It's not doing the typical solo show. It's it's kind of immersive. It's kind of variety. It's kind of solo. And because it stands out that much, I'm just kind of curious about it. And I like baseball. I, I will not be one of the most well-versed people. Like, I know baseball, but I don't know baseball, yeah. like, on a deep level like that. Now, with some Negro League baseball. There's, there's levels. There's levels. I am. There's levels involved. Yeah, I'm enough yeah. to, like, know the teams and, like, how well they did and a few players from the teams. But if you want me to ask, like, who played what position at what time and what year or what team, no, I, I just don't. I don't know that kind of stuff. But it'll be still fun to see um, and see other people who do know a lot about baseball interact with them. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm not a huge fan of baseball. I, I, bought, I, I, I definitely, in my opinion, think baseball is definitely one of the one of as far as a sport that's one of the most interesting sports because it was this sport and it uh, that was kind of in my whole life always been categorized as the american sport there's nothing more american 
than baseball. Right. And then, but it's like every time the Super Bowl comes around, I'm like, is this the most, is baseball the most American sport? Because it feels like, but when I look at the numbers, uh, the numbers and stuff like that, that it seems like football just seems to just eat that up. But maybe, uh, but, and, and I don't know if that was, in, in, you know, the, but that seems like it is now. And I'm wondering, uh, sometimes I wonder, like, um, when was that transition from, uh, you know, and I'm sure it's baseball is still a very popular sport and people in America, a lot of people, American love sport, but it just, when, when was that transition when America, when, when it was like every, everyone was talking about the World Series like it was the Super Bowl to the point where it's still popular, but people talk about the Super Bowl. I think the modernization of television is kind of when it started happening. Um, One of the things that killed Negro League Baseball was the modernization of radio with games on the radio. Negro League couldn't compete with that. And baseball is just not an exciting sport to watch on TV, generally speaking, Um, unless it's like the playoffs. It's just not that kind of show. It's not that kind of um, game. Football is always interesting. It doesn't matter if the teams are playing for nothing or if they're playing for all the marbles. Football is yeah. just a very interesting sport to watch on TV because yeah. there's so much drama, there's so much strategy, there's so much physical violence. Baseball yeah. is a little dry. On radio, on the, I think baseball on the radio is great. It's probably the yeah. best way it's meant to be experienced other than being there in person. Mm-hmm. Football is miserable to listen to on the radio. And yeah, so... It's so visual. Man, you got me making some good points. Yeah. yeah. yeah and I think that's why it became America's pastime, because people, more, more people watch sports on TV. Sports bars mm-hmm. are you know, notorious for this and everything, you know. And it's like, it takes longer usually for a baseball game. I used to do commentary for baseball, yeah. Uh, yeah. play-by-play in color. Yeah. And, you know, you had no idea when you went to a game if you were going to be there for two hours, two and a half hours, if you're going to be there for five hours. Mm-hmm. And... That kind of, particularly in the college level, that happens a lot. You know, that just kind of makes baseball, it, it just doesn't have the same connect energy. Football, it's one, you, if you follow a team, they have one game that week. Maybe two, technically, depending on how things fall together. But they have one game that week. They're playing someone who's using the division. If they lose this game, a lot of stuff, bad stuff can happen. If they win this game, a lot of good stuff can happen. Baseball, your team could lose 12 straight games and still go to the playoffs. So it's very, it's a lot harder to, to gauge where your team is, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Okay. So man, that sounds like an interesting play. So here's another play. This one sounded, sounded kind of interesting. And I guess it's, it's pretty close to home because of how we, how we think. So this show is called, it's a comedy. Um, it's at, it's going to be at the Stephanie Fieri studio and it's called 50 shades of Melania. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, so Melania is the, uh, the wife of, uh, of our president, Donald Trump and, uh, 50 shades. That's, uh, that's from the, uh, the 50 shades of gray kind of novel. They're going off of that. So where that's about like, uh, like, uh, bondage and all, and, and all that kinky stuff going on. So you got kinky stuff. We've got the president's wife. What does it mean? Let me let's uh let's go into this synopsis. Victim <laughs> or accomplice, trapped or willing agent. Melania Trump, Melania Trump is <laughs> an, <laughs> e- e- enigma. 
her actions and words contradictory as both media and public speculate about the first lady's true emotions concerning her husband and the pregnancy presidency she maintains an air of mystery perhaps on purpose join melania at this exclusive press conference as she tries to get reelected as the first lady of the united states and discover the answers to questions such as which was melania's favorite movie as a little girl growing up in slovenia will she be able to turn fly fly into a hashtag <laughs> Will we find out which character from GOT Melania identifies with? So yeah, so basically, this is a show where we get to peek into the mind of uh, of our of the you know our, uh, the first lady um, of the White House. Um, are you would you be what, what do you think? What do you think of this? Are you are we curious about what's going on in her head? Like, I am. I am. You know. I yeah. mean. Um... I'm I'm curious. It definitely seems like an interesting show. It's definitely something that's probably somewhere like on my list of like shows I might go to. It it it, it does seem fascinating, you know. And it's a very provocative title. <laughs> with, with with show when you when you have shows like this that are so like this is so tied with our time. Like do do, do shows like this uh, have a good shelf life? Do you no. think? No. Like, no, no. Absolutely this is, not. This is good for right now and then. It doesn't really, it doesn't really hold, hold, uh, hold a candle for later, huh? Yeah, I, I, even though I've seen some very good shows that are pretty much about a, a response to Trump, and I get it, uh, art is kind of therapy and it's self-expression, and a lot of people want to do that. Um, I, I have a, I have, I have a grudge against Trump for many things, but one of the things I have a true grudge against is I wrote a play and directed my first French play was a play called Politically Challenged, which was not about Trump or anything. And it was about a candidate who said something racist, a Democratic candidate who said something racist, and his campaign staff having one night to figure out how to spin it and get him out of the mess. And the problem is after Trump and everyone else who's like followed him, people think it went went from a play that premiered before Trump got elected. People saying, wow, this is so well done. This is such a like a, you know, I can like it's so timeless. I can put people, anyone who I want in here. And then once Trump got elected, everyone keeps saying, this is too tame. What he's saying is not even considered that racist anymore. So... Good point. I, I, see, I, I see what you're saying. Like, it, it was such a... That was... Your, that play was kind of based off of, like, what was typical. And then and they were like, this is pretty typical. And then some, like, uh, just like, out of left field, this un, completely untypical thing happens. And right. now you're like, oh, no, this... This doesn't work all the time, right? Yeah, it's yeah. kind of trite. And yeah, yeah. I, I've seen some plays like Fifty Shades of Melania, which are hilarious and great and very well made, and I probably enjoy themselves. Um, the problem is, the problem with Trump is we have no idea how this whole incident with Trump ends. Does he get reelected for a second term? Do Does he lose? Do the Democrats actually somehow manage to impeach him, which will probably not happen, but do they, I mean, you know, there's so many things about Trump's story that aren't finished. It's the same problem I have with Zero Dark Thirty, a movie that is well made with Jessica Chastain, um, very worthy of her Oscar nomination of that film, a very well-crafted piece. The problem is we have no relevance to how did this really affect the world? How did this really affect the war on terror, this death of Osama bin Laden? What really happened? You know, there's still a lot of stuff that hasn't been declassified about the raid with Osama bin Laden. So it's 
you know, that's my guess my problem with this. It's like well, you could make this play Fifty Shades of Melania, but once if in the middle of the fringe, Melania Trump comes out and she like stabs Donald Trump in the neck with a knife. You know, now your play is kind of, you know. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, it's like, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just like whether it, it's such a question that it can't be answered because we don't even know who she is. That being said, I applaud the playwrights and the people going for it because this is also the kind of thing that you should do at the Hollywood Fringe. You know, this isn't something that needs to be put up for six weeks at like the Broadwater. So if there's ever a time where you can do something super topical, the fringe is the best time to do it. And so, you know, these are the this is where these shows flourish. Yeah. And uh yeah, I think there's there's and I think there's definitely a place for uh even though you make a really good point, these uh how these things uh that are based on really know how to do and then later on when something like something like you said way out of out of left field happens now all of a sudden it's like how how big it was it was but i think there's still something to um the community that uh that uh something like this can bring people that have like like uh thoughts and interests about it and sometimes it's just uh it's just a good place where they can all uh, two people of of similar thinking or whatever can go and be like, ah, this is these are my people, right? Um, for a little bit, I think that's not a, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, no, it's, you know, it's not long, at all. As long as your your people aren't like, we are the people that like polluting on the street, <laughs> you know, and we're we're that group. We're the we're the group that flutes on the street, you know. If if you're not those those people, well then you know, well then. It's it's perfectly good, perfectly acceptable. <laughs> All right, uh, let's. Uh, oh, okay. Well, we're uh, we're getting uh, close to the end of this podcast, but let's uh, let's let's look at uh, just a, a few more. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's go through. So, oh yeah. So I am. This one looks interesting. Man, I guess I signed up for a lot at Stephanie Fieri's theater. I I, I don't even know why. I get. I guess I. I, I probably just have like a, a full day of Stephanie Fieri theater shows coming up. That's why I'm probably picking it. But uh, so this one actually looks kind of interesting. Uh, it's called An American Video Store. Yes, I've heard of it. This looks really interesting too. Yeah, I mean, I'm very uh, intrigued one, by this. This one grabs my eye for sure because man, uh, is I guess I guess now it sounds stupid, but man, when I was growing up, one of the things I one of the things that like I really wanted to do, I was like. I want my first job to be at Blockbuster Video. Like I thought when growing up, I thought, man, that must be the coolest job in the world. You just get to sit there and watch movies. <laughs> and then because you work there, you get to get free movies. I want to work at Blockbuster Video. But by the time I got old enough to work at Blockbuster Video, Blockbuster Video was gone. So Right. That's the sad part. But I, I had a very similar feeling about it as well. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe if I maybe working at Blockbuster wasn't as cool as I thought it was, but it seemed it seemed like a good idea at the time when I was when I was like in what was I? I think it was like elementary school or something. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Um, this play is about taking place over three pivotal moments in history of American video store. Our intimate story of clerks and customers examines the rise and fall of the cultural phenomenon that defined a generation. So it's basically 
um, the story of block, uh, the story of Blockbuster, um, and it sounds like they're also going. They're, I guess they're taking inspiration from uh, uh, Clerks, the, that 1990s right. movie from. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Um, Smith. Director of Clerks. Well, yes, 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 exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah, yes. So it looks like they're doing a blockbuster version of him. That's actually that's um that's that's very 90s of them. Yes. Not, not only not only are they doing it, not only are they like taking inspiration from Clerks, which is like, it, Clerks might not be the most 90s movie in the world, but it's darn close. I think it might. I think it's in that list of if you're like movies that define a define a time in the, in history. Uh, Clerks is definitely one of those in the 90s, right? Yeah, it's definitely one of the defining films of that kind of like genre, and it kind of helped launch the independent filmmakers of the 90s. Yeah, what what would you say is the most 90s film ever made? I because I think I think Ferris Bueller's Day Off is the most 80s movie of all time. I don't know what movie's more 80s than Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, maybe Coming to America. Nineties is hard. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're talking about like in terms of like what movie was just like very like oh this is the culture of the nineties this is nineties people. Yeah. Um, yes. That 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 that's what we're talking about. Like if, if if we're going like more like light hearted, I would say probably mm-hmm. something like Clueless is pretty up there. It's a pretty nineties mm-hmm. film. Um. Yeah. I would say another really big 90s film is uh, Boys in the Hood. Yeah. It's a very 90s film. I mean, it's Cooley High remade. Mm-hmm. Um, those, are, those are pretty good picks, man. Yeah. Those are, those are pretty darn 90s. Nice. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're very, very clearly 90s. Like, and yeah, we're, uh, we're talking about a movie that, like, really defines, like, how people dressed and that kind of stuff. I exactly. Miss Marvel is a very '90s movie, though it's not really a '90s movie. But I right. They did a good, I thought they did a good job uh, transforming you back to the '90s a little bit. You know, Pulp Fiction is thought of as a very like '90s movie because it came out in the '90s. Yeah. But it's like I don't know, man. I watched that movie and I'm like, his the, the way he has people dressed in that movie. He has his Quentin Tarantino has his like own like unique style of it. I don't know if that's while that movie is shot in the '90s. I think it's supposed to be set in the '90s. The way they dress, that movie, I don't know. I don't know if it's. It feels very set. It feels '70s. It feels very '70s. Yeah, it feels, it feels like like most Tarantino oh, films. To, yeah, it's supposed to be in the '90s. It's supposed to be another thing, but like he always seems. It always seems to be from the 1970s for some reason with him. Like everything. <laughs> Which is not a bad thing. There were some there were some interesting things that happened in the seventies. Some of the best music came out of the seventies. Oh yeah, in my agreed. Yeah, really good music out of the seventies. So yeah, so yeah, so you got this nineties theme, American store. So we got comedy. So we've got this kind of clerks thing and everything. So if you're if you're into that kind of stuff, you're into clerks and that kind of comedy and kind of. Uh, everyday people doing funny things and talking and saying funny things because that's what it sounds like a show like this might be i'm making an assumption well then this might be the show for you it's uh, an american video store and it's going to be at the stephanie fieri studio and it's uh it's running um until the june 29th um june 29th it's a one-hour show sounds sounds pretty interesting Um, yeah so what about uh any any more shows uh yeah more shows that you'd be interested to talk about 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to just do kind of like a few and just like kind of blaze through them really quick. Okay. Right, um, yeah. Ride or Die, the hip hop musical. It's yeah. um, from the same people who did Best Buddies, a hip hop musical. Uh, and what's cool about this show, or very interesting, is the starting actor is the actors with Down syndrome, autism, uh, neurotypical um, like uh, brains. Um, it just seems like a very interesting show. I'm very interested to see how this comes together, how it how it works, and um, yeah, it just seems like a really nice show. I'm, I'm very interested in it. Uh, Ride or Die, and that's playing at the Broadwater. Uh, another show, Pit of Goblins, from uh, Mitchell Bishop, who um, did my favorite solo show of last year, which was I Can Hear You Now. It's hilarious. This one's is funny, but a little bit more serious. Kid of Goblins, best way to describe it, it's a madcap multimedia show about Wayne, an optimistic serial killer who, in order to avoid capture by a local sheriff, must feed his victims to a pit of goblins in the woods. Um, Mitchell is a very, very talented writer. He always likes to have these like very weird ways to talk about uh, society and pop culture obsession. So I'm I'm very interested to see how he does Pit of Goblins. That's at the complex. Um, and there's a few other shows I'm gonna forget. I'm gonna like skip through a lot of them. There's so many shows I want to see. Wigfield, If We Run, um, Tattered Capes, um, Greenwood 1964. Um, mm. and I was, uh, um, I'm forgetting a ton. But you know, there's I mean, gosh, there's so many. I'm I'm not gonna be able to talk about them all though so I, I should take this moment to tell people to come see my show if they get a chance um you know right. olivia wilde does not survive the apocalypse uh which will um that opens june 7th they're already almost sold out of a preview at the time of this recording but uh my guess is my guess is that olivia wilde will survive the apocalypse in this play um, oh no, God. it's I'm the really one spoiler. Kidding. It's the one spoiler I'm always willing to tell people. No, she is. She is dead. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. She just she, released apparently a very. I haven't seen it, so don't take my word for it. But she's just released Booksmart. It seems apparently it's a it's a very good film. That's I saw it. It's 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 really well done. I really it enjoyed is. myself. It, it, it's it's definitely one of those instant cult classics. Is it like Superbad? Like it was promoted, or is it something different? It's a little bit like super bad. It's different. There's some similar threads, but it's um, it's not the same in a good way though. It's very unique from super bad. It's very unique. From, uh, I, 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 that's good to hear. It should be its own. It should be its own thing. That's 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 awesome. Here. Yeah. Oh, I also I have to give a shout out to Sugar Free Foster Care Cognitive Dissonance. Uh, that is a show I am full disclosure. I am the uh, one of the mentors for What I Never Told You, which is also the complex. Um, that's a show that I know uh, the person who came up with the show, Amy Argyle, she's in my show Mary's Medicine a few years. So I've got to, um, you know, I got to plug the people who are that. Um, the other show, yes, I know, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a ton. Uh, let me also take this moment to say 
people were like, what? He said he would never want Melania Trump because it's too relevant to what's going on now. And I'm like, no, no, no. That is not what I'm saying. I actually will probably go see Fifty Shades of Melania Trump. I'm not saying that. I just want to make that very clear. I'm just saying there's always a risk with those kind of shows because they can be kind of outdated very quickly. Um, but the other one I wanted to see is Resident Student Voices Anthology. That's a theater of note. And um, looking forward to seeing that. So, yeah, um, that's another show that I'm mentoring. Um, so, yeah, so those are my shows. I wanted to make sure I gave you enough time to, to plug the shows you also have. Yeah. So, hey, everybody. So uh, thank you for uh, sitting with me and Matt for, for, I guess, this has been about an hour. Thank you for, <laughs> uh, like, listening to us and uh, to our all of our, our theater ramblings and stuff. And I know we, we, we got through – uh, barely a slice of what's going on in the fringe, but I hope maybe this podcast excited you about some stuff and excited you about fringe and maybe going in and stopping and seeing some of this, uh, some of this art that's going to be going on a lot uh, around June 13th through uh, June to the 30th. Uh, and um, so, and uh, so I also like to mention that uh, if you like what me and Matt have talked about or listen to any of our reviews off of LA theater bites, um, and you, and, you, and you appreciate what we do here um, as far as reviews and stuff like that, we're on Patreon, and you can uh, you can help support us like at the lowest, if, a dollar a month uh, to to help uh, with uh, costs of website costs. Um, we, we also, not only just website costs, SoundCloud costs, because we use SoundCloud, and basically the hundreds and hundreds of reviews we do every day are put there, and there's, there's uh, so any help at all as far as anything um we're, we're completely an independent um you know um theater station here and we love what we're doing and it's uh it's a real pleasure to to see all these shows and the theater shows and i feel blessed to do it and, and stuff like that but it would be very helpful if any anything helps uh, uh whether it's me or matt and stuff like that and we're, you know and we have to make a, a long drive uh to a maybe a, a place uh, in Orange County or a place and stuff like that. It's always helpful to have a little a little help for gas money and other stuff like that. And we so we really appreciate that. Yes, please, please, please support us. Yes, yes. So okay, so and uh, okay, so yeah, thank you for coming on, Ving, and uh, stay tuned to LA Theater Bites. Uh, we will be uh, I, I will be at the I'm gonna be there even more off more this year um, as I'm gonna try and uh, rent some Airbnbs and uh and stay over stay over in the area so it's going to be play after play after play and i'm going to try and uh really really go all out as far as trying to get as many reviews and go to see as many shows as possible um to to let you guys know a little bit about what's going on and uh we're gonna, we're gonna do what we're gonna do our best to uh just uh really try to uh look at look into these different shows and maybe find some chestnuts and every year I, i've been lucky enough to find some real shows that are chestnuts that just like just really stand out and that i'm like wow this is that's what's amazing about the fringe you like you you never know you never know when you're gonna be you're gonna step in and something and someone really put their heart out there and was able to produce a play that maybe would have never been produced but now it's it's it was able to be produced because they had the fringe there and it's and it's great work and it's uh it's worthy to be on stage. So yes. uh, we're very, very excited every year to uh, hopefully run into something like that. And normally I do. 
So there's yeah. that, that's what's great. I, I'm I can't because I'm too close to so many of these players and everything, and I have my own play in the festival. It's not ethical, uh, as Patrick knows. I, I'm not going to review any of the plays of Hollywood Friend in terms of uh, I like theater bites. However, um, you can uh, follow which plays I am still seeing. On my Instagram, Robinson is Hyde, H Y D E. So if you want to see some of the shows I'm seeing and see, like, because there's so many shows I didn't get to today. So if you want to see some of the other shows I'm really interested in, uh, follow me on there. And I will always post at least something about that show. All right. Well, all right. Thank you, everybody. And we are signing.